You are tuned into World of Noise, your weekly spotlight on the Portland music scene, right here on X-Ray FM, where radio is yours. I'm your host, Bob Ham. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Luke Weiland and John Nekraz about their new collaboration, Methods Body, an avant-garde project that feels like an extension of their warm friendship and curious minds. But first, it's time to take five. If you're new to the show, Take 5 is a regular segment where I ask a local artist to pick five songs that are important to them as an influence or an inspiration for their work. This time around, that artist is Joel Shanahan. He's a local musician who has recorded under a variety of monikers, including Golden Donna and Purpura. And just last week, he released a new album on 100% Silk under the name Auscultation. It's a wonderful collection of modern dance music filled with lush chords and hypnotic rhythms. His song selections for Take 5 felt a little too perfect, honestly, reflecting his various musical guises through a shoegaze classic, some 80s soul, and a pair of experimental tracks. And one song he chose in part for its emotional connection to the 2016 fire at the Ghost Ship Warehouse in Oakland that happened during an underground dance party. Joel was at that event and understandably didn't want to talk about the experience with me, but it is clear in his choice of song that it left a mark on him that will never go away. Joel Shanahan, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Robert. Now, we are doing another edition of Take 5, where I had you pick five songs that were important or influential to your work, and we're just going to go down the list as you sent it to me, and we'll start with the first one, which is This Mortal Coil's version of Tim Buckley's Song to the Siren. On the floating ship's oceans, I did all my best to smile to your singing eyes and fingers drew me. Where did you hear about this song first? Well, honestly, um, this is a song that I heard, uh, you know, and I love the Cocteau Twins and I like Dead Can Dance and, you know, I like a lot of 480 projects um, in general, uh, but, but, but I had never really dove into this Mortal Coil at all. And uh, like, I'm a huge Cocteau Twins fan and I actually love Jeff Buckley. Too. And I like Tim Buckley. Um, but anyways, I, 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 I played this like kind of camp out festival thing uh, last year. And it's, it's really interesting. It's called Chill It. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's like a weird, it's like an ambient festival. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like two or three days long. And it's just, it's, it, the focus is just ambient music and it's outdoors. And it's just like, people like laying down on 
you know, people laying down on like inflatable furniture and, 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 and on mattresses and stuff and just chilling, listening to music. It's kind of a, it's kind of a dream zone. If you're playing to play experimental music and it's like, it's, it's just perfect. Um, and it, it was just like, I, I, I spent a lot of time at night, uh, kind of hiding out in the tent, <laughs> you know, cause I was really cold. Like I didn't realize that in California, like, uh, it, the temperature drops from like 50 degrees in the fall. Like it'll be like hundred degrees during the day and then it'll drop to like 40 degrees, uh, at night. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. And I didn't bring a jacket. So I was a complete idiot and, and to boot, I had to, my set was from 2am to 3am. It was a one hour, it was a one hour set played outside. It was like 40 degrees and I was wearing sweat. I was just like freezing my off. Um, but anyways, I was, I was one of the nights, uh, the, I guess the night I got there, I, I like, I kind of, I was really tired when I got to the campground. So I like went to sleep right away and, uh, from where the, my tent was, I could hear all the music in this kind of beautifully distant way, but I could, you know, you could hear everything. So like, uh, I woke up and that song had just started, you know, and just imagine like, it's like five in the morning at this campground. It's like super dark out. Uh, it's really quiet. You know, you can hear, hear crickets and everything. And like, but then like, you just hear, like an amazing sound system just playing this gorgeous you know song and and then did i dream you dreamed about me where you remember almost being moved to tears in this tent and then also like it drew me out of the tent like I, I like walked to the stage and I was like who's DJing right now what's going on um you know and most people were asleep at this point I, I so I, I just like went out and just like you know I just hung out and like listened to music by myself for like two hours and chain smoked <laughs> and uh but, but yeah it like it, it drew me out of my tent in 40 degree weather at five in the morning. Uh, and I, and, and, and it was just, I don't know what it is about that song. It's just like the way it's just kind of, it, it's kind of gaseous or it's just like, it, it just floats, you know? Your music that you've recorded over the years, and you've recorded under a, a, a number of different aliases, from Golden Donna to Purpura to uh, Auscultation, which is the, the new release you have out on 100% Silk. Um, your stuff leans your stuff leans more in, for the most part, leans more in the dance direction. But you do tend to do, you do uh, dip into the more ambient experimental territory. Um, is that uh, sort of important for you in some way? to to work in both streams or is that just the way that your creativity works i think i think uh it's both um you know like i really want to you know i i i care about i guess working in the just in the realms of what i find to be exciting or 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 uh 
things, just things that I really care about. And, 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 and I think that's, I tend to try to like, you know, participate in those, those scenes, you know, and I, I kind of came, I feel like I kind of came into techno or whatever you want to, or house or, you know, dance music. Um, you know, I, I came into that from making ambient music and making experimental music and noise and, and, and stuff. And, and, uh, but, but that'll always be important to me because it's, it's, you know, like I, I, I don't really care about, um, I, I don't know. It's, I don't really care about trying to be like an RA top 200, uh, you know, DJ or something, or like, I don't care about, you know, I, I love dance music, but it's like, I, I just like need to make stuff that I, I, that feels personal and, and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, that can be at the expense of a uh, tracks functionality, you know, in terms of like, Oh man, is this going to get people going on the dance floor? Or, you know, I just don't really think about that stuff too much. Um, unless I'm working on my live set, which is like, you know, a little different. Uh, but, but I don't really think about that when I'm making tracks. I just kind of, you know, I did, that's just the zone that I gravitate toward. Like, I love that. I, I, you know, I love a lot of different experimental music and ambient music and God knows what else. Well, another song that is on your list, we'll go to the next song here, and I think it falls in this category where it's maybe not as abrasive as what you're talking about, some of that experimental stuff, but a very experimental uh, track all the same, which you chose, Kevin Drum's Just Lay Down and Forget It, which is a 64-minute long piece that he put out. So yeah, so tell me about how you heard Kevin Drum and this and this track in particular. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, I was having a conversation about ambient music with my friend Nick, and he was basically just like, "This was years and years and years ago." But he was basically like, "Yeah, I mean, I just listened to Kevin Drum, Imperial Horizon." You know, like any time I would need the ambient fix, it's like I just put it on and just just zone out. And then, you know, I, I heard it and I just immediately fell in love because it's it's just like it's such bold minimalism, you know, like so little doing so much. And it's just these very subtle textural change. It's just it's perfect. It sits below the threshold perfectly. You know, he it's it's just a very, very disciplined uh ambient noise track and uh, yeah it's just it's awesome <laughs> you know you have to be in the headspace for it maybe you want to be like reading a book or something while you're listening to it i don't know but uh it's just a wonderful track to tunnel into I feel like that is a fairly good descriptor of how you work, especially even in your 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 uh, you know more dance music stuff, where there is sort of that you know really subtle. There's that subtlety to it, where it's not blasting you in the face with these ideas and beats. You're just building these you know beautiful tracks that are still very danceable. Mm-hmm. 
there is there there is definitely with my stuff you know i mean it is an element of like just 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 yeah subtle changes or or uh you know lately i've been focused on trying not to do too much because i feel like i i got into some more kind of maximalist zones in the past where there's just too much going on (laughs) doesn't need to be that much stuff going on um so now i just try to you know, I try to make space for, for everything and try to, I try really hard to make sure that every, everything has a purpose. Everything that's happening in the song, it's like, it's there for a reason. Um, and if it doesn't need to be there, I try to snip it out. Let's move on to the third song on your list. And this one has a little bit more of an emotional component to it. You chose a song uh, by Chelsea Faith Dolan that she recorded under the name Chirushi. I hope I'm saying that right. And yep. it's yeah, a track good. of hers. A da- okay. And it's a dance music track of hers called Night Steps. Can you tell us about this one? Oh, um, well, you know, Chelsea was a, a really good friend of mine. Um, and I remember, you know, like, so I was in awe of her music. Uh, you know, uh, basically, like, she and I met because I wrote her fan mail. You know, like, we were on the same label. Uh, she was on 100% Silk. And, uh, I remember, you know, because she she was not like a hyped artist. She had been around forever. She had been around for, you know, she had been doing live PA for like 10 years by the time that I actually met her, you know, uh, and to, you know, like she was a pro, but she's also like classically trained musician and just had this, the most insane ear for for melody and chord progressions and atmosphere and just she just she just nailed it on every front um and you know that song i remember because we used to send each other demos and stuff all the time and unfinished tracks and we give each other feedback you know i rarely had (laughs) i rarely had any negative feedback for her like ever um, it was usually just like, it was usually just, just, just like, oh, like, like they're like in the case, we did a song together called Indigo Wave. You know, where it's like she had this track and I was like, I think it needs a bass line. Then I was like, well, why don't I try adding a bass line to it? And then she was like, okay. And I sent it back to her and I added a melody and she was, she was stoked on it. And we ended up releasing that track. Um, but, but 
you know, there's just a lot of stuff like that where it's like, maybe there's something missing. Uh, but other than that, it's like every single time I was like, damn, but I remember her sending me night steps and just being like, Oh God, this is amazing. And then, uh, you know, after she passed away, kind of took on a different, uh, it kind of took on a different identity to me. Um, I feel like it's a transportive track. Like it's got enough room inside. There's a lot of room and, and it kind of makes room for the listener. You're kind of like in, in, in Chelsea's, you know, sad time world, <laughs> you know, like you're kind of like, She's, she's kind of a universe builder with some of her her tracks. Like, but this one's just, I don't know what it is. It's just perfect. For anyone who might not know, uh, Chelsea sadly passed away in the ghost ship warehouse fire that happened about three and a half years ago. Was it a difficult process for you to be able to listen to music by her especially and by anyone who was there after that happened? Or was that sort of a healing thing to put this music on and remember who these people were? Uh, it was, you know... Uh I would say it oscillated, it wavered between the two extremes. For me, um, I think, you know, especially like with television, like, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's just like those artists who passed away were all so incredible, you know, like there were so many amazing artists. Um, I, I, I'm not like, I'm, I'm, I'm only addressing the, the the work of the artist in this particular context because you were asking about like how how the music affects me um you know it, you you just i have to listen to it you know uh you have and and and, and we got we have to share it and we have to make sure that 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 people can hear the 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 legacy that these artists left behind and 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 you know so it's like there are times where maybe selfishly I'd like to I'd like to hide you know <laughs> I'd like to just 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 hide in my bedroom hide from the world hide from that experience um but it's like you know it, you can't you can't hide it you can't hide all of it. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. And you have to, you have to find a way to, to, um, to live. And, and you, uh, let me, I'm just trying to think of how to word this. Like I selfishly could be, yeah, like hide out away from it. But I honestly, like, it's just like the music's, so amazing and it's just like it feels good to kind of share that music with other people and like you know you know have you know share an appreciation for that work uh with other people and and you know i think i i I think it it brings me a lot of joy to to share that music and, and to listen to it um so but i'd say at first it was really hard i mean at first i you know i i was kind of like 
I maybe don't, you know, I didn't give a if I ever played music again or heard music. I, I was just, I, yeah, I was very fixated on the current situation and I, you know, I didn't, I, I don't know, like it just, it was just, I cared, it was, I cared about music, but I, I, I also was just like, it's just hard to do anything, you know, it's hard to listen to music, especially it's, but it's just, I felt like I was constantly in a situation where I did have to hear the music and I did have to engage with it, which is probably for the best, you know? Well, let's move on to the fourth song that you chose and you chose, this is the oldest track that you chose. And I thought a really interesting choice, which was Cliff Dawson's don't hide away from love from his 1982 self-titled album. I wanna love you forever, oh, uh, never. So let me hold you tight tonight. Okay, so I I love. Uh, I'm a huge fan of of uh, early to mid '80s kind of synth synth laden R&B stuff like. Um, you know, especially before the DX7 started to enter the picture and, you know, the, 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 the sounds were a little better. Like, I mean, there's a lot of like the uh, DX7 kind of preset, <laughs> preset stuff where it's like everyone's trying to sound like a bootleg Jam and Lewis thing. Um, but I still like some of that stuff too. So don't get me wrong. Um, but, but, but with this Cliff Dawson track, so... I was a big, I'm a big fan of the band uh, Starpoint, um, and they have one incredible. They have, I mean, they have several albums that are awesome, but they have one incredible album called All Night Long. I was just kind of like I have a habit of like when I'm really into a project I, I tend to like you know I'll go to the Discogs page I'll look up you know just like oh like what other bands have these players played with like what other things do these people do and I saw that the singer Starpoint did with well, the, the, the woman uh, she did a duet with Cliff Dawson and uh, it was a ballad and I was like I was kind of into the ballad and I was like huh I like this guy's voice I got to see what he is about. So I found this album, which like immediately, like if you look at the cover, he just looks like the coolest guy imaginable. Um, like he just, you, you want to hug him. And he's just got this like beautiful yellow sweater on. And it's, I don't know. I just love everything about that album cover. It's perfect. Um, but that album is just incredible. And this song, like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I love his voice. I love those, like, sort of, like, I love those kind of, like, uh, I don't know, very sexual chord changes and just very cool chord turns. Like, very, like, and the groove is, like, amazing. Like, whoever the session players are on that track, like, are killing it. And And Cliff Dawson's voice is just, like, this... It's like this buttery, 
almost he's got like a huge range like it goes in from this like buttery baritone to these sort of soaring yearning uh, highs and and I don't know the hooks are so good everything about it is good and like there's no you know i like i've you know in my digging you know it's like you, we pick up a there's like a million faceless dance records or whatever you know across the spectrum and then there's a lot of stuff that's amazing but it's like this stuff it's just like god it just has its own identity and it, it just and that song in particular is just such a such an awesome well-written song i don't know everything about it is good when you are djing out do you uh tend to try to lean more towards stuff like that more of this 80s you know r&b soul stuff or are you doing more dance music things where, where do you lean or do you go both ways on that um it just depends on who i'm djing with like i'm not really like i'm not like a a dj DJ. Uh, I DJ around town sometimes, but I'm not like someone who's like trying to be a traveling DJ, making a name for myself as a DJ. So it's like, and generally I'm just playing stuff for my record collection. So, you know, it's just like, I kind of look at, you know, I look at who's asked me to play. Um, I think about what they might be playing. And then I try to bring some stuff that will, uh, that will, you know, compliment that. Uh, so if I'm playing with, you know, someone that's going to be playing a bunch of industrial kind of EBM stuff, and I dig into my wax tracks collection and grab a bunch of those 12 inches out or whatever. Um, or like, you know, I, I the recent, most recently, uh, my friends have been doing like an ambient slash experimental DJ night. So for that, I was just bringing out some like weird, like space jazz records and like, like Joe Henderson, uh, black narcissist, uh, you know, bringing out like, uh, Patrick Gleason, rainbow Delta, just like real spacey kind of jazzy stuff. And then chick Korea, you know, this is bringing out, bringing you things like that. Like, but, but yeah, it just depends on who I'm playing with. Like, I, I, I can kind of go go either way. Well, we've gotten to the end here. Let's talk about your last track that you chosen, which is by another local artist, another Portlander who records under the name Renee Hell, which uh, his regular name, his name that his mother gave him is Jeffrey Witcher. And you chose the track Juilliard Opus 66 from his 2011 album, The Terminal Symphony.
most people who know me personally know that I'm a huge, huge fan of Jeff's work, like from his uh, harsh noise exploits uh, as impregnable uh, to secret abuse, which I think is more, it's like noise, but then also there's like kind of like really, really kind of melancholy guitar stuff and noise and, and maybe a little synth. Uh, and then there's Renee Hell, which is uh, really weird. It's like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. It's hard. He's a hard guy to pigeonhole. This Renee Hell song, um, it comes from a period of his work where he kind of made a shift from synthesizer synthesizer stuff to uh, to like more laptop oriented kind of uh, composed music. Um, and I think Terminal Symphony is sort of like a weird meeting point between where he is now, which is like way, way off the deep left, deep left field end in, in, in laptop music, you know, generative. I have no idea what his process is. And when I hang out with Jeff, he doesn't <laughs> like, I don't go into fanboy mode usually. And I don't, you know, cause he's my friend and I have to keep those things separate. So I'm not like some freak <laughs> just punishing him all the time. Uh, but you know, uh, I have no idea what his process is, but it's like, it seems like he's doing a lot of stuff like with granular synthesis and just weird, you know, stuff that's kind of informed by like the classic GRM work and maybe League of Automatic Musicians, the hub kind of, uh, you know, those, those are kind of the pioneers for that sort of generative, weird music, concrete, modular synth, whatever that world is. <laughs> I mean, there's a million pioneers, but he's, yeah, this is a weird middle point. And that track, I feel like some, it does a lot of things. It does, it does a lot. It's kind of just like this uh, piecing together of like the last, you know, five years of his work leading up to that, where it's just like, there's some unsettling sounds. There's some very pretty sounds. There's, there's like these crazy, I don't know, not arpeggios, but just like these weird synth sequences, like unusual synth tones. The way it ends, just like with the, those beautiful droning chords. It's just such an interesting piece and then so dynamic and I don't know, like that's definitely one of my favorite tunes and uh, definitely one of my favorite Witcher tunes. But, but yeah, I, I will say like for, if anyone's curious about Witcher's current output from the last handful of years, um, I strongly recommend two, two CDRs that he's put out that are, still available for pretty cheap. Um, there's one called Miklu, M-E-C-L-U. Um, and that's like a really, really insane piece. And then there's one called Bifferting uh, Resounding No. And that one also, it's just, I think there's like, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes each. And it's just like one continuous, you know, prepared piece. And it's really, both are pretty unbelievable sonic experiences. Immersive listening, if you will. 
Yes, and if you want to find those, uh, saloncdr.bandcamp.com is where you can go to listen to this and to purchase those if you so desire. And if anyone wants to listen to the music of my guest, Joel Shanahan, auscultation.bandcamp.com, his new album, Three, is coming out on the 8th of May through 100% Silk. Do you have any music you're working on now? Thoughts for what the rest of the year holds for you once, hopefully, this uh, lockdown lifts? <laughs> I actually have a bunch of stuff on the way. Uh, <laughs> somehow, I, I just released a Golden Donna album uh, called Hush on Last Faith, uh, which is David Last's label. Um, and, and that album was released kind of quietly cause it's, you know, it's, it's a band camp only. Um, but I'm really proud of that work and I hope people do hear it. Um, but yeah, goldendonna.bandcamp.com. You should check out Hush. Uh, I'm, I've got a couple of, I've got like three experimental albums on the way this year from different labels. And then I've also got, um, I'm supposed to do an album for, I, I did an album for Mighty Force, uh, which is an interesting thing. Like my, my, he, so Mighty Force is the label that originally released Analog Bubble Bath. You know, I'm really excited for that to come out too, because that's, uh, I don't know, like that's that definitely one of my favorite things that I've ever made, and I, I also feel similarly about Hush and and this House Cultation album. Like, I really hope people feel it and. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, talking about my own music is so hard. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> well, you've done a great job. Well, Joel Shanahan, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk about your favorite songs and your own music. Hey, my pleasure, Robert. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Luke Weiland and John Niekraz are two of the pillars holding up Portland's experimental music scene. Luke is a keyboard player most famously known as a member of the group AU and has, in recent years, collaborated with the Camus High School Choir and Matt Carlson of Golden Retriever. John is one of the best percussionists on the planet who is a member of the project Why I Must Be Careful, as well as a fearless improviser on stage, and a fine poet. While the two men have been friends for some time and have collaborated on stage over the years, it took until recently for them to fully commit to joining creative forces as they have with their new project Methods Body. And the wait was worth it from the sound of their debut self-titled album, which is out on May 22nd as a co-release by Beacon Sound and New Amsterdam. It's dense, almost psychedelic music constructed from long jam sessions that the pair undertook that they then edited and manipulated in the studio. To learn more about their friendship and their creative partnership, John and Luke joined me on a Zoom call recently from our respective isolated circumstances. Well, John Niekras, Luke Weiland of Methods Body, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how the two of you first met. Yeah. How did that happen? Luke was playing a show at Valentine's. I think it was, it was January 2007, if my memory serves. That's a great Mary, memory. Mary Halverson, Jessica, <laughs> Jessica Pavone show. Great show. It was a great show. I think yeah. you were playing, was it, you were playing solo accordion maybe? I think I was doing solo accordion. It was also Good for Cows was playing. Do you remember oh yeah, that? great band. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and Jonathan Seeloff of Golden Retriever and many other projects mm -hmm. uh, was a, 
longtime friend of Luke's and a uh, mm-hmm. newish friend of mine. I'd known him since I think 2004, 2004 um, when I'd visited. And he, he said, um, you guys have to meet each other. And then he said, dark twin, meet your light twin. <laughs> and we laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly recognized each other's, you know, warmth and like you know, similar wavelengths. And it was uh-huh. pretty quick friendship right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That, wow. That was 2007. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Valentine's. Yeah. I miss, I, I miss that hub. Yeah. It was a good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a great space for the, for shows for sure. It yeah. sounded like, yeah, it sounded, you know, I mean, just even watching you two play together, uh, it, there was a, there, it feels like there was an instant connection between you two. And like, that's something that's, that's grown in mm-hmm. a really organic and interesting way since you guys have been able to collaborate in small and large projects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've enjoyed the length of it, like, how, and, and the patience of yeah. our, like, kind of collaboration. The first many years, we were both were busy with other things. And, um, but we were, we would still find these moments to do things uh, together. And it wasn't until John moved back, he was gone. How, how many years? Were you almost, almost five years. Yeah, yeah. In Chicago and Europe, and then came back. Yep. And that, um, and that, that it was a very kind of kind of obvious moment of like, Oh, this is, this is when we should really be yeah. like making this more of a priority. Um, mm. Like we, I, like at that point in time, I re- relatively retired my old project AU. Um, he was, he yeah. was why I must be careful. My, my mate, we yeah. both, you know, we, we both had a keys and drums project. Yes. Um, right. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, and that we have really loved and were, you know, they were, were our lives in many ways. Um, and, and I, you know, we still love these projects. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my my friend Seth Lazuli moved out to Vermont, um, and yeah, I I came back here and I was just like, this is it. Let's give this like we know this is here. We know this connection's here. It's rare. It feels like a once in a lifetime kind of connection. Let's do it. Let's give it justice. Give it time and care. Well, because I saw the, the project that you did at Treefort, I think it was last year. Yes. Where you had the, the installation of sorts set up in, uh-huh, uh-huh. The, I think it was a yoga studio? Uh, that was a brand new dance studio by uh, okay. from LED or LED. I, 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 LED. I, I, yeah. Yep. Um, and, and that was a solo thing that I kind of spearheaded, and but it was still using the technology that like John and I had been um, kind of discovering the last three years, and then and then I think Methods Body also performed last year at, at Treefort. Is that, is that yeah? We did. I think yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 But that was yeah. That, that I mean that that show actually at Treefort was kind of our debut. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. Yeah. Um, because we, yeah, prior to that, yeah, we kind of hold up for three three years. It's been three years since we started this process, right, John? Three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half wow. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was slow. The first, like, like I, I think we were doing some shows as our old project, Sporting, which is what this project used to be called. And, and it was, we like, uh, the the language of, of it all was still kind of crystallizing. And it, and it, it, it took some time. It, yeah. And I, I still think we're, we're in that process, but the this record, I, I think, is a good expression yeah. of, of, of something that, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on. Yeah. And the record really kind of, I feel like it shows a bit of our trajectory from this kind of like, like we do the, you know, 
hyper unified, high energy, like white knuckle stuff that we're really good at and that we really enjoy doing. That's like just like an ecstatic blast for us. And we also get into this new kind of like technological realm where we're, you know, I think of the music as like, it's mirroring the processes of thought, especially on the B side. um, Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. End event side. It's like synaptic firing and neurons. And it sounds like that to me. Um, And so the record kind of shows like our, like a transition for us as well. Mm -hmm. Our path. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm reading the press notes for this album correctly, it sounds like some of the work that came out of this creatively also involved you two both seeing the same therapist. (laughs) Is that true? <laughs> is, yes, I, I've been fortunate to work with, uh, um, I, I probably shouldn't say their name, but um, been working with them f- for many years and John moved back and I was like, they're great. You should, you should yeah. also work with them. And, and yeah. it was, when we were, it, it, I, I think a big part of that was we were just like three and a half years ago, it, it, there was a, there was a big cultural shift. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> After the election. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and we were just like trying to figure out what our responsibilities, what our roles were, what our, like what, yeah, what we needed to be doing um, to try to counterbalance that shift. Um, and, and I, don't, I mean, yeah, maybe you want to speak more to that, John, about like, yeah, I mean, I, we really felt like, what is our purpose? What yeah, is, what yeah, can yeah, arts yeah. do? What can, what can two men do right now? That's, yeah. that's worth anything. That's like actually right. trying to, you know, countering some of the geopolitical disasters and, um, and so, you know, yeah, therapy was just, just us trying to like do, 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 do diligence for ourselves to, um, like really ask the, the right questions and, and try to like get some guidance toward feeling like we're doing some good in the world. Um, yeah. and even that, you know, feels like lofty, but, but the thing that we came back to is our relationship, you know, we can, yeah. we can be in a model of even for ourselves of, you know, collaborative joy and, you know, we're men, but we want to nurture each other. We like nurturance is important for us and, 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 you know, expanding that out into our friendship communities and our, and our audience community and all that. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds hard and lofty and I think it is, but um, it was the time and it still is the time to be asking those questions and to like not let ourselves off the hook in any way. Now, the press material also talks about this music in relation to how you two deal with language. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to start on that point with you, John, because you are a poet and a writer as well as a drummer and a musician. Um, how do you see those two mediums interacting with one another? Yeah, uh, I feel fortunate. I mean, I think for a long time, uh, you know, I've, I've been a drummer since I was a child. And I, you know, since high school, I thought of myself as a, as a writer and a poet. So but they were kind of parallel paths that didn't really oversect or intersect very much. Um, it was in grad school that I really kind of saw the ways that language inform my mu- language informs my music and language, um, you know, everything from just basically like the rhythms of language are, are really complex. And right. Really, and, and the melodies of language are really beautiful. And I mean, you see, you know, all these, all these YouTube clips of, of like mono neon, you know, playing along to, um, people fighting or whatever. Oh, right. And like, you know, it's, it's really fun and funny. And I also think there's like a lot of richness and potential there. Um, That's like, that's like a basis for, for a lot of my composition. 
Um, this this record has like we, we like to say like basically in its DNA or in its skeleton it has language like every part kind of came out of a a phrase or a ditty or, or you know something that that had text at its core mm-hmm. um, and you could kind of hear that like pretty explicitly um, on claimed events part two the part mm-hmm. with Holland Andrews on it um, where like I'm I'm playing a, um, a, a ostinato on the drums that um, is just a syllabic phrase I'm playing kind of the melody. And um, and then the voice voices come in and and show you what what it was I was saying on the drums. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. what that reminded me of was a couple of things, and one was the piece that I saw you do at the dance studio at mm. Treefort, mm. where you were having people walking up to a microphone and talking, yep. like reading something or saying something in a microphone that's being mm-hmm. manipulated in real time, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was a, a fun little trick. And then I was also remembering seeing Steve Swallow and Joey Barron, and I forget who the other artist oh. was at. Uh, the PDX Jazz Festival, nice. and Joey was playing a, a drum solo, and he just hit the rhythm of, you know, salt peanuts, salt peanuts, yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> everybody in the yeah. room caught that and started laughing their heads uh-huh. off. And I'm like, uh-huh. how do you do that with just a snare drum? A drum? That's, yeah, a rim shot. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Like, like John has brought me. I mean, you know, I, I I've been playing the piano since I was like a, a kid, and and I, I think like his approach to drums is actually more melodic than my approach to my instrument. And he, and he's kind of brought me um, very gently into like realizing that. Um, and, and it's, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot from his, his approach of, of, of using language and then it's translation into melody. It's been, it's yeah. been, yeah, it's been pretty great. Like I, I think I'm, I, I, I traditionally approached my, my music more just rhythmically and I, and it, it, right. we kind of assume it would be the opposite, you know, for the both of us, but it's kind of, and I think that that's a part of like the alchemy of our, of our dynamic. Mm-hmm. What, what is kind of supposed is actually not, um, or I, I'm not sure the best way of saying it, but yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I, I, I and, it, and it is, it's like, for me, like, you know, most of my music, I am kind of generating it. And, and this process, was like he would bring these little things and then and then through time together we kind of like blossomed them out mm-hmm. um, yeah and, and and that's been a new process for me and and, and it's, it's 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 actually has, has what has like reinvigorated my practice in a way it's like i i think i i like post post au was i was making a lot of music for other people um and and wasn't really writing my own stuff as much and and i i kind of needed a break uh, of sorts for several years and 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 some something about like being brought into this like entirely foreign process mm. that that was his you know like I, I, it, it's actually allowed me to kind of return to my own with m- much like with many more like like refreshed um <laughs> Kind of strategies. It, it, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. I think so. Yeah. Is that is that where the LWW record sort of came out of that? LWW, I mean that that one was interesting. That that was like 
the leaf label i mean that that record was actually supposed to come out right after the last au record so it that was old music but it was all improvisations besides one like the main track was kind of it wasn't improvisation that i kind of blew up in, into a, a larger composition um and i and i think yeah but it, it, i think some of the the blueprints for this this project are in there i mean you know of course my language is is in there's it's again yeah. you know it's it, it's impossible to remove that but right um but for me i i think one of the things that that i i really respect and kind of appreciate about this process with, with john is like is is you know like i i have had a uh i can't even say it because it's, it's hard for me to say but a um uh, a stutter for you know my entire life and it's something that i've chosen to ignore or to try to hide but the more that i actually like welcome it in or or actually choose to to love it or see it as this like kind of special unique part of me it's like it is woven into my music and, it, and it's actually the more that i i, I try to uh, explore it the stronger my phrasing and my like language comes in my actual music and it's and it's i think that's that's been one of the great gifts of of this project is it's like i mean it was also moving alongside me just getting older and like learning to accept these parts of myself that when I was younger, I was, you know, uh, very ashamed of and like trying to hide from, mm -hmm. but it's like the more that I kind of, uh, am able to integrate them, um, the stronger they, they show up in everything that I'm doing and especially my music. Um, if, if, if that makes sense, it's like a, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to talk now about the recording of the record itself, because you recorded in a couple of very interesting locations. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could walk me through and walk listeners through where you guys made this album. Mm -hmm. We started first in, uh, my dear friend has a uh, this old bar that was like, it was like a movie prop bar um, down just north of Joshua Tree in Pioneer Town. Mm. Um, and it was just this like, it, I think as of now in the last, Last year they've kind of converted it into something a little bit more legitimate but like back then it was just this kind of raw large space kind of dirty dusty um out in the desert and where she she let us kind of set up shop and 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 that was like the beginning of the recording process i, I only a yeah. few things from that actually showed up on the record but it was like it was us kind of laying down the kind of foundation for what the record would become hmm. yeah. um and it's 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 you know for john and i like being able to spend long periods of time, like consistent yeah. periods of time, like day after day after day, is actually really important. It's 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 hard for us to jump in and, and jump out. I think, especially when recording. Yeah. Um. And there was something about that. I think we like we talk about the ability to kind of leave the city and leave our practice space and leave the like leave these environments that are are known and and going into these places that are more kind of influenced by nature and and by like a spaciousness and. And things that kind of transcend our human um, kind of existence, like yeah. it 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 pushed us and kind of helped us find music. I, I don't think we would have found otherwise. Right. And um, as soon as we, as soon as we got back from Joshua Tree, we started mm -hmm. looking for a similar situation here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. a and a mutual friend of ours, and actually of Jonathan Seeloff's, um, Jacob Midas offered a he has a cabin about a half hour away. Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, you guys can set up shop in there," and we did, and it was really that that spot was that was it. Yeah, was where we you know we spent sometimes we spent seventeen days straight in there, um, yeah, like sleeping on the floor and like yeah, yeah, and it was that was the process, you know, um, and that was multiple that was over months, you know. Many wow, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it was a, it was a slow one. <laughs> it was a slow burn. Yeah. Did you always envision this album to be made up of these longer suites with the pieces kind of flowing together? Certainly the A side, I think. Yeah. I think that 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 was always our goal. The B side was it was a mystery until we started to piece it together. Yeah. Um. I, I think it was so. I mean, just to give a basic breakdown, like for people who haven't heard the record, like the A side is much more traditional, kind of like like these pieces that we've composed and there are parts and transitions and like mm-hmm. it's it's much more obvious like what we're doing and the b-side was spawned from um this kind of live looping live sampling technology that i that i've been working on for many years that that allows me to kind of capture john in real time like um and then process and kind of like weave them together and and into these very bizarre drum beats and Mm. or you know yeah or textures and and we just recorded hours and hours of that. I mean, just hours and hours and hours. And and then we went back and just kind of cherry picked. We just kind of like, kind of, yeah, we just like pick, okay, wow, wow, like this part right here, this like, these like 30 seconds of this is something, you know, magical is here. And, and then we kind of like wove that together. Um, and, and then that, that sits around the, the, the larger composition that we, we performed with Holland that, that is based on uh, a text from John. It was really cool in this process to kind of see like Luke's visual art background as well on on the B side. Like it really felt Mm. like to me, like he was sculpting. He was actually like, we were sitting together the whole time and, you know, making all the decisions, but, but like seeing the way he can actually like, like sound has become a physical medium for him in the editing process, especially it was really neat to see. Mm -hmm. It it actually felt like someone with like a knife going at it and like shaping things with their hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's interesting to hear about that for me is that, I, I think projects like this, you kind of have to f- set your ego aside in some ways with some of these pieces and mm. some of this work and not get too precious about what you did and realize that like, yeah, some of this stuff is not going to make it. And some of this stuff is going to be completely warped out of how I envisioned it. And you kind of have to be okay with that. It's kind of like, a, as I'm sure, you know, John, like a writer editor process yeah. where you have to like give yourself, give your work over to someone else to really mess with and be okay yeah. with it and realize something better could come out of it. Mm, yeah. mm. That is definitely a lifelong challenge. <laughs> For real. Oh yeah, kill your oh, yeah. babies. We used to say right in grad school. Right, right. Like, kill your uh, baby. <laughs> harsh. That's harsh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Writing's tough, Luke. You yeah. Right? <laughs> oh man, oh man. Yeah, I, I think there's there's something so important about like leaving room for mystery. You know, for like mm-hmm. something to to arise that it, it seemingly is outside of you, even though it's coming from you know it's like there's, there's that the, yeah i mean for me those are the moments that are just like that are magical that yeah that, that even even upon re-listening back you're like that that we did that like what what is like how did yeah. that even happen like what yeah. are these what's the combination of these sound you know and it's like that's what i love about you know improvisation it's that yeah. it's that it, it's that it's a you can't actually be precious you know you it has to you have to for me the best moments are when it's just 
flowing out of me like unconsciously, you know, and then afterwards I'm like, Oh, Oh. And, yeah. and the moments when, when I'm not doing that, like when I'm actually thinking about it too much or I'm double guessing is like, it, it suffocates it, you know, it kind yeah. of strangles the, the, the opportunity for it to be mysterious and, and magical, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for, and for me, you know, I, Luke and I are both really performers. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke's Luke's much more experienced and better in the studio than I am. I, I don't, I've never really enjoyed the studio. I think this process was really good for me um, to kind of like grow as a studio musician and, and like really like face it. Um, I, you know, I was, I was kind of bullheaded at the beginning. I was like, no, this is, I'm going to improvise this whole right. Re- I'm going to improvise this whole right. Re- Cause that's what I like to do. And, right. it, and it really was like, you know, our, the tensions I think between us are really fruitful. You know, he's like, yeah. he's, he's trying to like put me in these certain places and I'm like resisting sometimes. And it's like, and there'd be whole days where it was like really awkward, but like something magical happened, you know? Yeah. 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 It was slow. Yeah. And worth it. Yeah. Fruits of your labor are now out in the world or about to be out in the world from beacon sound records. Um, how can folks find and follow you all in the world of the internet? Like where can they find your music online? Uh, at methodsbody.com, methodsbody.bandcamp.com. Um, and, and I, you know, on Spotify, I think our first single quiet part one, um, they didn't come here is on Spotify and Apple, you know, right all, now. All, the, yep. all those places. Yeah. And then our next single, um, which has a, a video made by a local artist, um, Brenna Murphy. Yep. Is phenomenal. That's coming out May 1st. Um, so things are, things are rolling out. Yeah. And, uh, we should also mention that, um, New Amsterdam Records is also putting it out on That's the right. East Coast. Yeah, so both. Thank you yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's a it's a joint venture. I feel really lucky to have both of these like incredible labels um, supporting mm-hmm. us at this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about you two individually, though? Uh, oh, oh, uh, they, yeah. I mean, we both have websites. I think just you know our names, LukeWyland.com and JohnnyCrass.com. Yeah. You, you might have to spell your last name, John, for everyone. Sure. Very <laughs> slowly. <laughs> N I E K R A S E. Well, excellent, gentlemen. Again, the yeah. record is out on May 22nd. New Amsterdam and Beacon Sound putting it out. Uh, Luke Weiland and John Necras, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank Thanks you so much for having us. That about does it for this edition of World of Noise. Thanks once again to Joel Shanahan, Luke Weiland, and John Necras for joining me, and thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard and want to hear more episodes, you can find the show in podcast form at xraypod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next week when I'll be speaking to Alicia Joe Rabins about her project Girls in Trouble, which uses music and poetry to explore the Torah from a feminist perspective. And former Modern Rivals member Adam Schiff joins me to talk about his new project Blue Canopy, which just released its debut EP last month. That's all happening next time on World of Noise. Until then... Thanks for listening.